On today's episode, we interview Veronica Lane, who is a personal trainer and pelvic floor therapist. This was so eye-opening as she talks about so many common symptoms that people struggle with that are related to a weakened or a tight pelvic floor. But the good news is there's many things that you can do to strengthen or loosen your pelvic floor depending upon what is going on. And as she mentions in the podcast, it is never too late to correct these things. So let's dive into today's episode. You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Welcome back to The Food Code. We are so excited. We have one of our fellow women in business uh, people here today, ladies. Um, This is Veronica. She is a pelvic floor specialist. Um, She's a therapist for pelvic floor. And we figured what better person to have on a mostly women listen to podcast um, (laughs) to talk about a topic that I think is sadly normalized in this world of, you know, I pee when I jump and run. And if I sneeze too hard, I pee like the things that we maybe, you know, don't mention, but we think are totally normal after you have kids or even if you don't have kids. Um, So we want to dive into all of that today. So Veronica, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Can you introduce yourself and say what you do? Thank you guys for having me. Um, So yeah, my name is Veronica Lane. I'm a physical therapist and personal trainer. So Um, physical therapy, our expertise is musculoskeletal because people are always like, what does this have to do with physical therapy? So the pelvic floor is actually three layers of muscle. So that's where it kind of comes in. Um, a little bit of a quicker background of how I get into it. So I have, um, always worked in orthopedics, um, but even a long time ago, I always treated the pregnant women. So I started having, you know, I've been a therapist for 30 years, an interest in um, working with women in pregnancy. Then fast forward to when I had my children, I have a 20 year old son and then I have triplets who are 18. So going through there, those two pregnancies, um, I, did, I was blessed. I didn't have any issues, but I kept on top of it. And I really felt this calling that I wanted to help women um, and then because of their triplets, I was around a bunch of women who um, had multiples and it was that constant, oh my gosh, don't make me laugh. I'll pee in my pants. Me too. That's so funny. And I would be, you guys, you don't have to live with that. There's pelvic floor physical therapy and people would say, oh, I'm sure it doesn't work. I would just want to take my medication. It's fine. And I'm like, no, seriously, guys. And then at the same time, all of my fellow the therapists are like, I don't want anything to do with that. Um, so I guess, and you guys know, and any of you that have had babies, you know, you have it like, this is just another part of the body and we get used to all of that, uh, like all the stuff that is phobias to other people. Um, so having had them and I had, I was very blessed with two very healthy pregnancies for healthy babies. And I, just felt this calling to do this. So, um, I was, 
I've been doing pelvic floor therapy for about 10 years. And just as you guys said, it's such, oh, the education component, women think they have to live with it. And it's normal after you have babies. My big um, kind of catchphrase, it's common, not normal. And mm-hmm. when I that, I'm not saying people take it personally. You're saying I'm not normal. Absolutely not. I'm saying it is not something you should have to live with, that you can change it. Um, so yeah, and one other thing I want to throw out there, everybody has a pelvic floor, not just women who've had babies. So um, men have a pelvic floor. Um, they, a lot of the things I, t- I treat men, um, it's just more common to see females with issues because just like everything else, you know, our bodies take more wear and tear and uh, especially after having a baby. But yes, I have patients as young as five and six years old. Of course, the constipation, the urgency frequency of urination, leakage that young. And then I've had um, as old as 96 year old female. Um, I've treated young athletes, um, 16 year old boy, basketball player, get out on the court and have to pee. Like it was just this constant thing. Um, And so people just don't even know that therapy can help all of these things and you don't have to live. I'm really, really excited to dive into this because you just have so many things spinning in my mind right now. (laughs) And I'm sure so many people are are like just sitting back wherever they are like, what? Men have a pelvic floor and what? Five and six-year-olds? What? Constipation? What? Um, So can you describe first and foremost for our listeners, what is the pelvic floor? You mentioned it's three layers of muscle, but what is the pelvic floor? Yep. So three layers of muscles that attach from the pubic bone to the tailbone. So they literally form kind of a sling right there at the bottom of your pelvis. And so they are, again, literally the floor of your core, the bottom of your core. So if you think of the foundation, it needs to be strong, stable, sturdy, foundation of a house, a foundation of anything. So think of the pelvic floor as these three layers of muscles. And and the other thing is, I, I always show my, I have my pelvic pelvis model. These are little bitty muscles. So think about where they are and they're little bitty muscles that are stacked on top of each other and they attach to the pelvis. Well, think about these big, strong muscles that also attach around the pelvis. You've got your quads, hamstrings, glutes. These muscles are bigger, stronger muscles. So these little pelvic floor muscles are, are literally trying to keep everything stable So they make up for deficiencies, for tightness in your hips, for weakness in your hips. These little pelvic floor muscles then will tighten on one side and get stretched out on the other side, just trying to keep everything in balance. And they can't, like, they can't do that. So when they're making up for other things, they can't do their job. What is their job? Yeah. So one of their main issues is to control the opening to their urethra. So you can urinate in your vagina and your anal openings so you can have bowel movement. So right there, they control our pooping and peeing. (laughs) So that's where if people do not poop and pee correctly, it's going to then cause these muscles to be overworked, overused. 
And here's a huge misconception. So everybody thinks if they're leaking urine or urgency frequency, they have to strengthen these muscles. They must be weak. Nine times out of 10, it's not weakness. These muscles are too tight. Mm-hmm. They can't do their job. Um, so again, if you're over, if you're urinating too often, if you're pushing and straining with a bowel movement, those are things that you're going to overuse these muscles and cause them to get tighter and tighter and tighter. And if it's a muscle tightens up, it can't do what it's supposed to. So controls the openings to, um, you know, urethra, vagina, and anus. Another big job of the pelvic floor is it works in unison with the um, diaphragm for breathing. So as you deep breathe your pelvic floor, if you look at a side view of the pelvic floor, remember that sling kind of going from your pubic bone to your tailbone, those pelvic floor muscles have to act like a trampoline and contract and relax as you deep breathe in and out. So two things, we don't deep breathe. So all of us are living in flight or fight, stressed out mode, so we're not deep breathing. If we would all just deep breathe, we would be able to use that pelvic floor, have it contract and relax, which would keep it healthier so that it could do its job, okay? But we're all walking around stressed. And then when you're not using those muscles that way, they, they tighten up because they're, they're, they don't have that flexibility. And then everybody knows that when we're stressed, we feel the tension in our, um, our neck. Sometimes you have that tension in your jaw, upper back. Those pelvic floor muscles are doing the same exact thing. They're tightening up with your stress. We're just not in tune with our body down there to, to realize it. Um, there's a big correlation in the literature with people who grind their teeth. And then people, those same people have a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction. So deep breathing, being part of the core for stability, and then opening, controlling the opening to those um, orifices. That, that is the big job of these muscles. That's so interesting. So I know you've kind of covered some of them. Are there like symptoms of weak or tight and or tight pelvic floors that you can maybe state that help people understand like maybe this is me maybe not I don't know right right so the big one that everybody knows is incontinence or leaking of urine so um that should never happen so people you know it it is not normal to leak urine after you have a baby it is not normal to leak urine as you get older or with jumping sneezing coughing laughing so there are two kinds of incontinence stress incontinence that's the laugh, sneeze, cough, jump, lifting weights. Um, and then there's the urgent incontinence. And that is when you have to go really bad and you run to the bathroom and you don't quite make it. Um, also, along with that urgent incontinence, and this is becoming more and more common recently with my patients, is that you finish urinating, you stand up, you're finished, and then you get a little bit of dribble afterwards. So that is telling us right there, you're not completely untuned initially. Um, so incontinence is a big one. Um, prolapse, pelvic organ prolapse. So basically that is any of your rectum, your bladder, your uterus, your actually your vaginal wall can all prolapse or kind of drop, okay? 
typically, and again, this is not a normal thing to happen as people age or after having babies. Um, typically, what my patients will say is they're in the bathroom, either wiping or in the shower, and they're like, oh my gosh, what is this? They, they notice some kind of bulge. And then they start noticing a pressure down there at certain times of the day or with certain activities. Well, that can be any of these organs dropping a little bit. Again, it, so if our muscles are in good, you know, they've got the flexibility and the strength that they need, they can help keep um, these organs from dropping as much. It's when they can't do their job when they're too tight or too weak, but typically it's too tight. That's when you notice these things more. Um, along with the prolapse, constipation, okay? So pelvic floor therapy and is a really, people are always, they'll come to me after having all kinds of GI tests and all kinds of medication and tried this and the fiber and all of this, and their pelvic floor is tight as can be, and they can't relax <laughs> to have all movement. Um, so that's one of the diagnoses we see. And then if you're pushing and straining, which you should never push and strain for bowel movement, you should all be using a squatty potty so, or a stool. Um, if you're pushing and straining for a bowel movement, that's a huge risk factor for a prolapse. Okay, so right there. So those go hand in hand. Um, uh, pelvic pain. And when I say pelvic pain, it encompasses. So pain with intercourse. You should never have pain with intercourse. That is like a blown off thing. I hear from many of my patients, they go and tell their doctor, oh, you just need to relax or, oh, that's normal as you get old. And, and I'll, it's never normal. And um, I've had so many young women, you know, 20 to 30 year olds that they're already having the, their primary complaint is pain with intercourse. And a couple of them, their doctors completely blew it off. Oh, you know, they, they do you want to go on medication? Again, let's figure this out. These ladies are young. They haven't had babies yet. What is causing it? And typically it's just tightness and being unable to control their pelvic floor. Um, so pain, and then along with any kind of pelvic pain and pain with intercourse, you also have all of the deep hip pain or SI pain, mm -hmm. pain. like all, any and all of those diagnoses of pain from kind of um, your, your belly button down towards your hips can absolutely be referred pain, um, caused from the pelvic floor. They work hand in hand. And a lot of times I will, um, my orthopedic physical therapy, uh, friends, and even a lot of orthopedic physicians, if, it, if there's this deep pain or some kind of pain that you just cannot, you've tried everything and or they have any symptoms of other pelvic floor dysfunction. So if they have this pain and then they're also leaking urine or they have this pain and they have urgency frequency, we need to check out the pelvic floor and make sure this pain isn't actually coming. I mean, I had the one patient with low back pain. That was her main complaint. We treated for years. She saw my stuff on social media and she said, well, I have some of those issues. So she came in to see me. Again, her main complaint was low back pain. But then as we're talking, she had her whole life pain with intercourse, but she just accepted it. That was like, she was living with this, um, which infuriates me that no one ever said anything to her, any physicians. But anyway, so, so with fixing her pelvic floor, her back pain went away and I'm going to cry. And she walked in all smiles because mm -hmm. the first time in her life had no pain with it. 
So it's like, you know, so yes, pain, um, prolapse, urgency, frequency. You should only be emptying your bladder about every three to four hours during the day. And you should be able to go through the night without getting up and urinating. So Mm -hmm. during the day, when you're over, you, it, it's a reflex controlled by the brain. You fill the bladder fills, it, it expands, stretches the receptors then are stimulated with the stretch to contract that causes the pelvic floor to relax and you empty. It's a reflex controlled by the brain. So every time you empty your bladder before it's full, you're having to, you're not using the advantage of the reflex. You're having to overuse these muscles. And then the bladder over time um, loses its ability to completely fill. So it starts getting, you know, mm-hmm. feeling when it's not, and then it contracts and then you keep emptying and it's this whole cycle. So three to four hours during the day, and then um, should be able to go at all night without emptying your bladder because you make less urine at night. Gosh. And like, there's so many people that just accept this is my age. I have to wake up in the middle of the night to pee multiple times. And that's just Absolutely. how life is. And we're like, no, no, no. And the like you said, what we experience a lot of with our clients is we'll be three, four months into working with them and they'll start telling us like, oh, by the way, I have horrible gas too. Or, and it's like all these, and I'm like, these are not normal. Why have you not told us about these? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I like to believe we have pretty extensive questionnaires, but it's just people don't want to talk about it because they're either embarrassed or they're, they think that like, oh, other people have this, or maybe I'm the only one. So I don't want to tell anyone. Cause that's like, you know, I I'll be honest after my third pregnancy, I, I was very fearful that I had prolapse because I had something that was bulging out slightly. And I knew, luckily I knew like, this is not normal. This is, I know what this is. This is prolapse. And it eventually over time, but with there, cause I did a lot of like pelvic floor exercises and that's like my first four to seven months of postpartum for me is always like, I do a lot of that before every workout that I do. It's like the majority of my workout. Um, but you know, for a lot of people, how do they know what to do here? Like, yes, we can go and see a pelvic floor therapist, but are there things that you can do? Like you mentioned deep breathing, like what can you do to relax the pelvic floor? If you see the main problem is the tightness. Cause I would, I would definitely think that it's the looseness um, because of like, you know, incontinence, like something's not tight enough and, but it makes sense what you're saying. What, what can you do? Well, right. And I just want to give you guys kind of visualize this. I think this helps when you think of this. So imagine if you held your um, bicep contracted all day. So your elbow is bent, your bicep is contracted, and then you went to pick up a gallon of milk. You would not be able to because either that bicep is so tight now by you contracting it all day that you can't even get the motion to pick it up. Or by the time you get it all the way straight, it's fatigued. You have the strength. So that's the same to visualize why these muscles, how can it be that they're too tight and then they, you have the issue. That's kind of a visualization that helps people with that. But well, back to the stress thing. If we could not have any stress in our life, then I think we'd all be just perfect pelvic floors, right? So I will honestly say in the last couple of years with everything going on in the world, absolutely. Everybody's more stressed. There are more um, pelvic floor issues 
and orthopedic issues and, you know, the list goes on, but stress relief is huge. So that is something I talk, you know, with all my patients, we all need to manage our stress. And unfortunately, as females, add another layer as moms, we put that aside. Um, so finding something for stress relief. And then along with that, absolutely is the deep breathing. Because again, if we're not deep breathing, we're not using those the pelvic floor muscles. I mean, you breathe all day. So if you can do more of the deep breathing, you're going to engage those pelvic floor muscles more so that then they're going to stay active and be able to do what they are supposed to do. So literally lying down and doing deep breathing. I am constantly shocked at how many people, they cannot deep breathe. Mm-hmm. Start, the very first thing we do is lie down because it's easier to figure it out a hand on your chest, a hand on your belly. And let's start just belly breathing, big belly breathing. And you don't want your hand on your chest to move and you want your hand on your belly to move. And you can give a little bit of pressure to that belly so it it rises and falls, just starting there. Um, So many people can't do that. Like that is very challenging for a lot of people. So there, and of course, as we progress, the belly breathing into the diaphragmatic breathing and then... um, Correlating that with activity. So the breathing is huge, but just lying down a couple times a day and concentrating on deep breathing, that's very important. And then finding your pelvic floor. So we're all familiar with Kegels and how unfortunately we're taught to do Kegels is to contract the muscles you would contract to stop the flow of urine and hold as long as you can and then relax and hold again as long as you can. And if you think about what I keep saying about they're too tight, what are you doing when you're, you're doing that? You just keep tightening those muscles. Mm -hmm. I start out with most of my patients. We got to find these muscles. We have to be able to contract them and to let go. And I stress just as much the importance of letting go as contracting the muscles, because that's usually what is more of a problem. So again, lying down so you can be more aware. Um, getting rid of the hips. And when I say that, letting those hips drop out to the side. So if you've got the flexibility and can have them go all the way down to the bed or the floor or putting pillows on either side, lying next to, so you're in a hook lying position on your back, knees bent, feet flat on the floor, one leg against a wall, the other leg is supported with pillows, get the hips out of the way. Your, Your pelvic floor muscles, um, are right next door to your hip rotators. So if you've got tightness in your hips and or weakness, um, that's going to affect your pelvic floor. So get rid of the hips and then just do some deep breathing to kind of relax and, and get set. And then instead of just thinking, stop the flow of urine, I want you to think of two. So every muscle has a primary action. So back to the biceps, bend the elbow. So your pelvic floor muscles, two primary actions, because remember there are three layers front to back, stop the flow of urine and keep you from passing gas. So if you squeeze the muscles, you would squeeze for both of those actions and then let go, that's your pelvic floor muscles. So when you're lying there with your legs spread and you do that contraction, stop the flow of urine, keep yourself from passing gas, You guys can try it right now when you're sitting. If 
you see anything move on the outside of your body, which typically what I'll see is people squeeze their legs together or they tighten their butt or they contract their lower abdominals or upper abdominals. None of those muscles should be moving. We should not see anything on the outside of our body when we do a pelvic floor contraction, except for you have no underwear on and you use a mirror, which I highly, highly recommend everybody down there being familiar, but we'll get back to that. But look a mirror while you do the contraction, all you should see is your clitoris and your anus wink at each other. That's it. Only thing on the outside of your body that should move. So when you're in this relaxed position with the hips, you know, relaxed out, you will actually literally see your hips come together or you can see those hip adductor tendons contract or your tummy. You're, it's more easy to feel yourself squeeze your butt. Those are not the muscles we're looking for. So just spending several minutes per day lying down, deep breathing, and then trying to find the pelvic floor muscles, isolate them, and then relax them. That's huge. That will, that will help a ton. And of course, once you find them and you're able to relax them, that contraction relaxation is going to increase the blood flow and keep the extensibility in those fibers so that then the muscles can do what they're supposed to do. So those are probably the two main important exercises to do. I love that. One of the things that I kind of want to go back to, if you can just briefly touch on this, we have a lot of women who say, I just can't stop going to the bathroom. I drink, you know, let's say two, three liters of water. It's not that much water. I drink over a gallon a day and I'm not in the bathroom that much. So can you touch on how would the pelvic floor weakness or tightness impact someone who feels like they can't stop urinating so frequently if they're, if they're drinking adequate water? I'm not even saying a gallon of water, right. just adequate water. Right. So big, yeah, big point to say there is, yeah, people will say, oh, I'm drinking so much water. How many ounces? And like 40 or 50 ounces. And like, you need to drink more water, first of all. But um, let me back up. So there's that reflex. The bladder fills, contracts, pelvic floor relaxes you. And it is a reflex controlled by the brain. That's why we can potty train animals and little people. It is a reflex. The problem is we have control of the pelvic floor. We can empty your bladder whenever we want to or feel we need to, but you have urine in your bladder 24 seven. So yes, people will argue with me. No, I'm telling you, I have, I urinate every 10 minutes and absolutely you can do that, but we want to get you to fill your bladder. All of us have had times when we feel like we really have to pee bad and then we're distracted because the kids are doing something or something happens that urge goes away. That's what we need to do. So when you're urinating every hour, every two hours, um, what you need to do, stop, literally say to yourself, I'm in control, not my bladder. Back to the deep breathing, do a couple deep breaths, and then distract yourself. 100% of the time it will go away. The urge will go away. If you sit there and say, oh my gosh, I have to pee so bad. If I don't go pee, it's never going to go away and, you know, jump around and dance around. No, it's not going to go away. So you distract yourself. It'll go away. It will come back. Some people are lucky and it doesn't come back for like an hour or closer to being full. Some people it's 10 minutes later. So you just do it again until you're like, all right, the urge started in an hour at an hour and a half. 
now I really have to go. Here's the big trick. Your bladder needs to be calm and relaxed, not fight or flight mode. So when you're like, oh my gosh, I got to go pee and you cross your legs and jumping up and down and running to the bathroom, you will not have control. You need to be calm and relaxed. Do your deep breathing and so counterintuitive, walk to the bathroom. Okay, and that's where people make the mistake. So then you walk to the bathroom. Again, you want to deep breathe. You want to make sure I'm going to put in a little... Uh, my soapbox, do not ever squat over the toilet. You want to, all right, you want to sit, turn your toes in, lean forward, and deep breathe on the toilet so that you relax and you can completely empty. So that's one of the things that sometimes with the frequency and urgency, you're not completely emptying to begin with. Okay, so when you go at an hour, you didn't completely empty. So that's why 30 minutes later, you have to go again. So sit, relax on the toilet. Do your deep breathing. What do we always do? Oh, I'll be right back. I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick. And five seconds later, we're back out to where we need to be because we're busy and everybody needs us. No, sit, relax, empty. And then if you are having the urgency frequency um, or incontinence, I always say to try to double void. Double void means sit, relax, empty your bladder. When you feel like you're finished, sit up, take a couple deep breaths again. And then lean forward, try again. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is teach your bladder to completely empty, teach these muscles to relax so that you can completely empty. So sometimes with double voiding, voiding, it takes several days before any more comes out. A lot of times it's sometimes more comes out, sometimes it doesn't. Well, that's telling you there are different times of the day where you're not as relaxed. We need to get you to completely empty. The other thing is, when you empty more often than the three hours, that bladder doesn't ever fill. And I think I mentioned this before. So it will think it's full when it's only halfway full. And so it'll contract. So we got to get that bladder to fill up again. Fill up. Along with that, there's a whole bunch of stuff that are bladder irritants. You guys all know what they are. It's the coffee, alcohol, artificial sweeteners, carbonated drinks. I never tell my patients to stop eating and drinking those things, but to know when you eat and drink those things, they're irritating to the bladder. So it might be after your coffee where you feel like you have to go to the bathroom after an hour, or when you're, everybody knows that you drink alcohol and everybody has to go to the bathroom, break the seal, the whole thing. The alcohol is irritating to the bladder. You're not full. When the bladder's irritated, it does the same thing it does when it's full it contracts. So that's what um, happens. And then the other thing is, so you're having to go to the bathroom all the time. So you actually stop drinking some water. One of the other big irritants to the bladder is when your urine is more concentrated. So mm -hmm. all these patients who stop drinking water because either they're leaking or they're going to the bathroom too much. And that actually is more irritating to the bladder. So it kind of defeats the purpose. So that's so interesting. I love learning new things. It's been so helpful. Um, well, none of us learned how to. And, and I always tell people, this is literally re-potty training. Right? Yeah. So we did not learn. Well, think about it. When you're in school, you're taught to only go to the bathroom. At a certain and well, and let's even talk about pooping. Nobody wants to poop in public. So people hold to that all the time. And then that backs up and causes a whole mm -hmm. bunch. But um, so nobody's on. Oh. Oh, and I haven't talked about this yet, but if there's one thing, okay, I want, want all of you to know that all of these things are common, not normal. 
But the one thing I want you all to make a vow to stop doing from this moment on, because you're hearing it, is no more jicking, just in case urinating. What you are doing, emptying your bladder, when it's nowhere full, you don't even have the urge to go to the bathroom, but you're going to go run errands with the children. So you're like, oh, we're not going to stop to go to the bathroom. Everybody go pee. My kids would be like, oh, mom, I don't have to go. I'm like, no, everybody, I'm not gonna, we're not going to do this. So from when we're young, we're taught to jip just in case urinate. And it becomes so natural before you grab your keys to leave the house, you go to the bathroom just in case. Another big one is all of the people in the gym CrossFit gyms, other classes. Ooh, they're jumping jacks today. I'm going to go to the bathroom just in case so I don't have any problems during class. We That, again, is reinforcing the cycle, the schedule. So no more jicking. <laughs> so this makes me think of my – so my little boy is four. He'll be four in a couple weeks. And this weekend, he was playing outside with his friends on like, and like they had a little slip and slide thing. And he comes sprinting into the house and he's running. He has one shoe on, one shoe's off. He's soaking wet from the thing. And he goes, Mama, I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta go to the bathroom. But he can't get down his wet swimsuit fast. <laughs> And so I have to like run in after him to help him. And then it's just like stream as hot, as heavy as you like. And he does this often because I think kids don't like to go to the bathroom. And so they hold it forever. And then they Mm -hmm. run at the last second. This happened to him a couple weeks ago. He was wearing his baseball uniform and he had a belt on, but he doesn't know how to take off a belt. So he peed in his pants because he was like in the bathroom. I hear him crying. It's just like, I feel I feel like kids are the opposite of you know women in terms of women are always going because they're like I gotta go constantly little kids hold it so long um I would love for you to touch too because I think so many people get so far beyond having children that they think like how could I ever fix this you know like it was I had kids 30 years ago like how am I going to fix my pelvic floor now if like and so can you touch a little bit on how that doesn't matter and you can go and fix it whenever (laughs) It, it, it's never too late. Absolutely. It's never too late. I'll go back to my 96 year old female. She was the oldest that I have treated. She was wearing, she was going through five undergarments a day. Oh my gosh. Uh, depends undergarments. Um, I don't even know who sent her to me, but she came in. We got her. So 96 year old, she was pretty much in a wheelchair most of the day. Um, we got her down to one depends and she, her last day she's like um gosh damn it why didn't the doctor send me to you a long time ago (laughs) I don't know but we're here now so that's good so again so much of it is how we poop and pee our position on the toilet learning how to breathe so these are things we're all doing we just might not be doing it as efficiently and effectively as we need to and nobody knows this stuff nobody knows not to jack. Oh yeah, don't do that. It helps you. Um, the other thing at night, I just want to, I'm, I'm jumping back here. So, so yes, any age, there's no time limit. This is not like, if you don't do it five years after you have a baby, you're out of luck. Absolutely not. Um, all ages, all sizes, you don't, again, it, it doesn't matter if you're overweight, underweight. It does not matter if you're athletic or not. We, we can, it, it, let's get some basic we all poop and pee. So if we start there and then and work off of that, that helps. Um, two things. So it, there, it's never too late or too early. So 
Another common thing I'm hearing with a lot of my patients is they remember, I'm not a gymnast, I never took gymnastics, but they remember, these young females remember during their floor routine in gymnastics, their mom would have to stand there with the fresh leotard to put on because they would leak urine during. And here they are seeing me at the age of, you know, 30, haven't had babies yet, and they're still having issues. So I feel like it's, you're never too young, you're never too old, you know, so there's got to be something going on. Um, most of the youngsters that I've treated, it's more on the constipation side or um, wetting the bed. Um, but I'm very intrigued by this common um, with the gymnast. Um, so no, age does not matter. And then Another thing that plays so closely with this are, I haven't mentioned this yet, I don't think, but, you know, I'm not just looking at your pelvic floor. I start with bowel and bladder and go from there, but your hips, your low back, obviously your core play a huge role. Those, those muscle groups are right connected. So if there are things going on there, that absolutely affects your pelvic floor. But honestly, down the chain. So if you have excessive pronation, then you go up the chain. So pronation at your feet, turning your toes, um, you know, you don't have a medial arch or you're, you're kind of flattening your feet. It, come, it can come up the chain and then cause your femur to internally rotate. And then that plays a part with your pelvic floor. I mean, it's absolutely all connected. So a lot of athletes have issues. And, and I think that's overlooked. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot more females mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's whatever it is with our anatomy, as far as our, our you know, our hips or all of that, the hip angles, but um, a lot of athletes have issues. And so learning these basic things from the beginning, I think would be helpful. So I know your point was, is there an end range where it's too late? Absolutely not. I am now getting more of, um, you know, people need to know this sooner. We need to be looking at some of these youngsters and making sure. I mean, my daughter, <laughs> my kids are just, they finally are okay with it. That everybody knows their friends, their teenage friends know what I do. Um, but I would be driving my daughter around in the car and, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And the girls, oh, my, I just peed my pants. And then they'd go, I'm sorry, Mrs. Lane, I did not. I just said that, you know, because they know. I would say, oh, you should never pee in your pants, you know, like, so that, again, just young girls make jokes about, about that. It's such a, you know, everybody thinks it's normal because everybody talks about it like that. So mm -hmm. I'm the one that pulls everybody back to reality. Well, you know, <laughs> that really shouldn't happen. Um, but yeah, so any age is never too young, never too old. I love that. We have a couple of clients that have, you know, come to us and we've talked with them about you know, some of these common symptoms and things that, uh, you know, we talk about as moms and females with leakage and, oh, I can't do this because I'm afraid of, you know, leaking or whatnot. And we're like, wait a second, this isn't normal. I don't care that you had a kid seven years ago. Let's get on some sort of therapy program. And then two, three weeks later, they're like, oh my gosh, this is so much better, you know? And so I love that you brought that up because I think some people have the misconception that if they didn't take action right away, after pregnancy, immediately postpartum or throughout pregnancy and whatnot, that it's a lost cause. And this is just, you know, uh -huh. how they're going to be. Yeah. I would love to kind of touch on the sling. So I have several clients as well that have had procedures done with the sling 
For someone that is considering the sling, what would you say? And for someone who has had the sling but it, sling but is still experiencing problems, is there any help or hope there? Absolutely. So, of course, I'm very biased, but you, sh- I, my try therapy first. And if you went to one therapist and you didn't get any improvement, find another one. Um, just had that happen this morning. A um, Mama for the youngest is like seven. She had tried therapy four or five years ago. And it just makes me, I don't know who she saw what would happen, but they told her she would just have to live with it. I'm like, oh, <sighs> but absolutely. And it's not too late, but somebody, one practitioner told her, well, you might want to think about having, you know, a sling or a procedure. And so God love her. She's like, well, I want to try everything again. So she took it upon herself to try therapy. I am absolutely 100% sure we're going to get it better. We're going to make it 100%. I think we can, but we're going to absolutely make it better. So try therapy first and don't, if you, I've just, I mean, I I can 100% honestly say I have never had a patient who did not have improvement. And when I say improvement, I'm not talking like just a little bit, at least, you know, 25, 50% improvement in just the time I'm seeing them. So, so you don't lose hope there, but if you haven't even tried therapy, why would you even consider this? Right. So that's my thought because most of my patients get better Then what I do see with the sling. So, so here's, here's a red flag. If you go to a practitioner, a doctor who is telling you, well, your only option is a sling or medication, and they don't mention therapy, that should be a red flag. If they lay it all out for you and you just, for whatever reason, don't want to try therapy, okay, that's that's okay. But I see lots of patients who've had the sling because a lot of times what happens is it, quote unquote, fixes the stress incontinence, but now they have urge incontinence or the incontinence is gone, but now they have pain with intercourse. Um, it's, it's always something, okay? Mm-hmm. If you picture this small little pelvic region and these little bitty muscles and any kind of a procedure that is done, there's going to be adhesions. There's going to be scar tissue. There's not a lot of room down there for that. So that's going to pull and tug at things. So unless you're having therapy after it, your sling procedure, which should happen too, and I don't think that happens enough either, um, likelihood of developing some other symptoms, absolutely. Um, and so, yes, try therapy first. And it's, it's never too late. Even, you know, I have patients who've had total hysterectomies and, you know, have had pain or issues for years. It's never too late. We can, we can figure this out. Um, another misconception. So this is kind of off, but the scar tissue. So a lot of women think, well, I had a C-section, so I'm not going to have any issues. And then people can think the other way around. Well, I had vaginal delivery, so I'm not having any issues. Either way, look at all the stretching, pushing, tugging on these muscles and all these tissues. Um, Any kind of scar tissue damage, so episiotomy, any kind of tearing, unless you're doing scar massage and very aware of it, things are going to tighten up. Okay. And I didn't mention this before when we were talking about prolapse, but um, your episiotomy and tearing, a lot of times that um, is a risk factor 
for the um, rectocele, so you know your rectum to prolapse. So that's an so we got to make sure we address it. Um, fascia, you've got fascia throughout your entire body from your diaphragm down to your pubic bone. You have layers of fascia that absolutely become tight. Just think about it. They were just stretched for a pregnancy and now they're, they're coming back. Just treating with myofascial release for these areas does wonders for um, these patients. So, so there, there are always things to, I still do. That's the other thing I told my patient this morning. I still don't think I've ever seen somebody for a pelvic floor exam that had absolutely nothing to work. You know, maybe I didn't need to see them more than a few times, but most people have something that we can address. And, and again, I wish it was more of a preventative thing. Before you have issues, you come in, learn how to poop and pee, learn how to find these muscles, learn how to deep breathe. So I'm very passionate about that. I try to give talks whenever I can to women's groups at gyms. Chiropractors are lovely. They're awesome. They're more preventative wellness. So they've, I've talked at a lot of their offices, um, just people need to know this stuff and they don't. Yeah. Thank you. That's been, that's so helpful. So, so helpful. Yeah. I think this is going to be very eye opening for a yeah. lot of people. And what I would love to know is how can people work with you? So if they're not in your area, do you offer any online programs, consultations? You know, and I don't advertise it, but I have. So yes, absolutely. So I had a patient over in Japan. Isn't that crazy? So we set up a Zoom call and I pretty much, so there's all the practice. So as a physical therapist, you know, their practice acts and everything, but we can educate people and we don't need a doctor's order. So there's so many things, like I said, with your bowel and bladder habits and just teaching the exercises. It's kind of cool being the personal trainer too. I can put some of that on that side, but a Zoom call, um, FaceTime, just learning and finding out what you're supposed to do that jumpstart. And I have had so many people tell me just from my talks um, and working on their bladder schedule, bowel and bladder schedule, some other other symptoms disappear, which is awesome. So that's what we want. We want that. Um, so I'm always happy. I can, we can do some kind of a consult like that. I am working. <laughs> I have in the works um, with my IT guy, um, some kind of a educational video type thing where um, I can educate you more, you know, formally on how to do all of these things. And um, so you kind of like something where it can be purchased through my website or something like that. So that's going to be in the works, but until then, absolutely. And a zoom call or whatever. Can you tell people where to find you? I'm sorry. Can you tell people where to find you? Absolutely. So I have a well, um, a website, WellBodyPT2. Um, so that gives all of my contact information there. I have Instagram and Facebook pages um, at WellBodyPT2. I do hmm, probably once every two weeks, there is a post about pelvic floor therapy. So, you know, the reels are the big thing now. So you can, you can find reels and they'll talk about how to sit on the toilet, about um, deep breathing, all of that kind of stuff. It's all on there. So just looking at that. Um, but yeah, I would love to reach out. And then there are a few places that I know of therapists um, that you could reach out to if you need in different areas. Awesome. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. I think this will be so helpful for our population. It was helpful for me even to learn new things. (laughs) I love it. Um, So thank you again. And uh, yeah, maybe you'll be hearing from some of our listeners. That would be awesome. All right. Remember, common, not normal and no jicking. (laughs) Thank you so much. We will link out all of your information in the show notes and we appreciate your time today. It was good to see you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Food Code. If this episode resonated with you, please share, rate, and review as this helps us reach others around the world. With that, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Love you guys.